Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hey, Patrick, how's it going? Good, Jeff. How are you doing? I am. I'm all right. Trying to get into November. So far, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Still kind of in so, a spooky mood. Yeah, and I swear it. It like at midnight, November first, foomp, and I it hit me, and I when I woke up, I just wasn't feeling it. Like I just, I don't know. It was like almost instantaneously in a funk, and not just because it was ridiculously cold and having to kind of get into that but i just i i just wasn't i i wasn't quite feeling i'm like yeah this is not good and this is only the first day of november and it kind of stuck i'm you know it's just i've kind of found ways to kind of work myself out of it from time to time but overall just november's not not been my thing i guess (laughs) but I mean, it's all good. We're, you know, it's only like 25 more days of it. (laughs) It's just, I can manage. I think a lot of it too is just because it's not a big secret, but like Christmas, Christmas decorations, definitely Christmas music. It's just not my thing. And I mean, Halloween barely had a chance to exist. And, you know, stores are just, already just shoving christmas down your throat it's like oh you need to know that this is yeah they're like no 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 you don't understand this is the joyous season you have to be happy here buy all this stuff to help make you happy here you have to buy all this stuff look we're playing all this music right now because this is the most wonderful time of the year to get you to buy stuff yeah because it's the last quarter we got to make we got to finish strong bring that money in and I know that's kind of a, and I get that that's kind of a cynical way to look at it, but it's also not wrong. <laughs> like it's, no. it, it, it may be a cynical way to look at it, but it's also a very, from a business aspect, very accurate depiction of it. And it is just, but it's fine. I've got, well, most of the time I have my, if I'm by myself, I have my headphones with me. So I just pop those in and I don't have, you know, hear any of it's just and i just there and there are some cute things that i'd like to get for decorations but i'm not doing that now like what are we december 1st which in at which time all those decorations will be gone and they'll have their swimwear out for right looking ahead yeah staying in the moment right so i (laughs) the but yeah it's it's just and, and and i get it's not just it it may just be me, but it's not to say that I won't be watching the holiday movies like I did last year. Still planning on doing the same thing. I've already seen a couple out that seem like they might interest me, but I'm not. I can't do it right now. I, yeah. I can't. I just cannot. Yeah. Like, I just put started putting away our Halloween stuff like two days ago. There's still some people here that still got the Halloween stuff out. Pumpkins. Ghosts in the yard. I that's doubt. Awesome. I, I doubt that stuff will go down anytime soon. Maybe after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. 
It is just like legit. There, there's a movie that's going to come out called "It's a Wonderful Knife," a Christmas horror movie that I'm from the writer of Freaky. So, I'm I'm already looking forward to that. I will add that to. That might make a good double feature with the mean one. <laughs> then you got the Thanksgiving movie coming out too. Yes. But yet, see? And like that, a Christmas movie is already having to come out before a Thanksgiving movie. Yep. It's all good though. But anyways, we it's been a good week here. So York's mom got to her and her boyfriend went to New York City for a little couple day, three day, three, four day trip. Which was awesome. They were able to go do that. York chilled with us, which was great. Love spending time with Deuter. And but they landed Thursday. They went to Harlem to go have breakfast, brunch or whatever. And sitting right behind them was Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Well, legendary Tom Morello. And she sends me this picture. I go, please don't get arrested is all I could think. I was like, please don't get arrested because she's a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. So it's that it would, it does seem like one of those things where she might <laughs> possibly do something. Yeah. But no, she played it cool, I guess. And, you know, isn't it? Which is far better than probably how I would have done, depending on who the person was. Right. But yeah, she they had a good time. They got to go see the. Back to the Future musical, which I'm kind of jealous about. And they got to also see the uh, Moulin Rouge musical. So I don't know if it's like just like the movie with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor and John Leguizamo. But it it looked really cool from the, what, the picture she took from the set. Grayson had her first competition gymnastics meet. On Saturday, which I was at work, so I could not. And the uh, link to watch it wasn't working, so I had to follow it on the. I had to follow the scores on the website, but she got first place on beam, I believe, and then like fourth and fifth place tied. She tied a lot on several other events, and then came out winning fourth place overall. She had like the second highest score in at in, at her gymnastics school, so she did pretty good for her first competition. Competition where in which they scored a lot more, you know, harshly than just the rec team, right? So, but she came out ahead. She did great, and she had a good time, and that's really all that matters. So that she had fun. Congrats to her. Yes, indeed, and then. York's been doing really good. He's been drawing some things and just, he's just getting better and better. I'm just so proud of his talent. And he got to finally see Five Nights at Freddy's, in which I was correct. He ended up enjoying it more than he thought he would. Yeah. So, you know, every now and then, but he's not going to admit that I was right. That that would be too much. Of course not. <laughs> hold, on, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Yeah. And that's fine. Because that would mean that, you know, he would have actually listened to me. And I was like, no, I every now and then I may know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he had a good time. And that's been about it for us, man. What about y'all? 
Well, it's been cool here. Still got, you know, kitchen work going on. Yeah. They put a bar in. So getting that set up. My mom plans on getting the stools for it and just trying to fix up the kitchen because it's been kind of okay. looking kind of rough. But okay. so far, so good on that. You know, an eventful week for me. <laughs> Not much going on. This weekend, I did play a little bit of Arkham Knight. Trying yeah. to complete this game, get all of the villains so I can get the true ending. So I kind of chipped away at that on Saturday. I played for about an hour, then I stopped. Then I caught some movies that I'll probably talk about next okay. week, at least a couple of them. And then, yeah, did some reading. I'm about almost halfway through The Changeling. Okay. So I think I'm pushing to hopefully be finished this week. So that yeah. way I can read Erasure, because uh, the 22nd is when the movie with uh, Jeffrey Wright comes out that the movie's based on. And yeah, so far everything's kind of one-to-one with the changeling. So I have a feeling it might end in, this, in similar ways as the show, which means I don't know if maybe the the author has plans of releasing another right. book at some point, but uh, I don't know. Cause I'm up about chapter 40 and we're already at the point where he's met William and sold the book, that, okay. which they kind of changed the titles of the book they're using, but similar Basically, everything's the same. And yeah. we haven't met the the wise ones yet, but they've been they've been mentioned. And so about halfway through, we'll see. Okay. I'm hoping to be finished this week so that way I can kind of compare next week. Okay. Yeah. That would be pretty dope. Yeah. I, oh, I got Henry Winkler's new book. So hey. being Henry. <laughs> yep. And yeah, I mean. Henry Winkler, I can't not love. So, but yeah, it's, I can't wait. I mean, it's one of those. I'll end up adding it to the stack. I mean, I've got Arnold's book still that I haven't had a chance to crack open yet, yeah. amongst a mound of others. But you know, still, at least I have it to get to. Something to look forward to. Yes, always. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of one of those things. Like I was discussing. You know, just not quite feeling November, needed something to kind of do something, some sort Mm -hmm. of field therapy, and that's what I got. I got me a book, got York a couple of birthday slash Christmas gifts, hideaway, and yeah, so that, you know, that helped. So, yeah, about it, dude. So, we finally got some trailers, because we kind of didn't have much the past couple weeks. Yeah. So... We have just dropped uh, this morning. We have Mark Wahlberg in The Family Plan. A former top assassin living incognito as a suburban dad must take his unsuspecting family on the run when his past catches up to him. Starring Michelle Monaghan, Mark Wahlberg, Maggie Q, Karrion Hines. And that's kind of, yeah, that's pretty much the main, written by David Coggeshall and directed by Simon Kellen Jones. Be released December 15th on Apple TV Plus, with a rating of PG-13 and a runtime, one hour, 58 minutes. So just say two hours. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yep. Next we have the next we have the TV to screen adaptation, the 80s 
80s TV show The Fall Guy, to which I was raised on as a kid. Yeah. Loved me some Liam Majors and I can't think of his name. Bart. Pop in my head. Colt Seavers is a stuntman who left the business a year earlier to focus on both his physical and mental health. He's drafted back into service when the star of a mega-budget studio movie, which is being directed by his ex, goes missing. Coming March 1st, written by Drew Pierce and directed by David Leach. So... This looks like it's going to be a blast. No pun intended. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. It does. It does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Ryan Gosling, Emily Blunt, Hannah Waddingham, Teresa Palmer, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Lee Majors, of course, Stephanie Shu, Winston Duke, mm-hmm. Adam Dunn. Like, there's a huge, huge, huge cast. So it's. It looks like this is going to be a, a fun ride. For sure. So, Douglas Barr. What the, I don't know why I said Bart. Yeah, Douglas Barr was in the original Fall Guy. And Heather Thomas. Oh, and Marky Post. I almost forgot Marky Post was in the Fall Guy before she was on Night Court. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. Again, I kind of alluded this to you when we were before we recorded that, it seems like you just like they asked if they could take the movie, the nice guys that Ryan Gosling was in with Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. And then, but throw that into like a Mad Max style film <laughs> and maybe toss on a little bit of bullet train since David, which just did just finish directing that one previously. Yeah. So, and that's how you get the fall guy. But I'm excited for it. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be released in the spring and not in the summer. Right. It does look like it's going to be good. Pretty action-packed, yeah. little humor. You know that awkward ooh, working with my ex thing, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it seems relatable too. Yeah. So <laughs> next we have. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Why, you may ask? I don't know. That's an amazing question. What? You thought it wrapped up nicely with the last one? I agree. Yeah, had a nice little bow on it. It's like, yep. We're going to pull the bow right off. Yep. (laughs) Pull that bow right off. It's it's like a Brokeback Mountain movie. I just can't quit you. Many years after the reign of Caesar, a young ape goes on a journey that will lead him to question everything he's been taught about the past and make choices that will define a future for apes and humans alike. Written by Patrick Azian for others and directed by Wes Ball. The movie stars Freya Allen, Dyson Lachman, Kevin Durand. Owen Teague, William H. Macy, Peter McCone, Ika Darvell, Lydia Peckham. Yeah. So, should be interesting. I legit thought it was going to be a TV series, but it's not, definitely not a TV series. It's another movie. Yep. Started off as a, I saw it as a gif and said, hey, trailer coming. I'm like, no way. <laughs> 
No way. No, really. <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> then a few minutes later on YouTube and I see the trailer posted. I'm like, ah, all right. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know, it's still like, maybe <laughs> it's, could be. I mean, I don't know. I guess there's just milk in a franchise. Yep. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll turn out to be decent, but I'm not ex- holding your breath much. Yeah. No, no, just. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the last, you know. Yeah. It just it did so well and had your complete story. But the trilogy of movies are just like perfect. Yep. Boom. Done. So yeah, but like you said, it felt like I thought it was gonna be a series. Now if they went that direction, I'd be a little more open to it because I don't know if they've ever done a series for it. It's always mm-hmm. been movies. So but we'll see. <laughs> we we'll shall see. see. Yup. And then lastly we have oh Sorry, Planet of the Kingdom of Planet of the Planet of the Apes. That's too long of a title. Yeah. Set to be released May twenty fourth. And then lastly, the Sweet East, a picaresque journey through the cities and woods of the eastern seaboard of the US undertaken by Lillian, a high school senior from South Carolina. She gets her first glimpse of the wider world. On a class trip to Washington, D.C. Starring Talia Ryder, Earl Cave, Simon Rex, A.O. Edebiri, Jeremy O. Harris, Jacob Alordi, Rish Shaw, and Gibby Haynes. Written by Nick Pinkerton and directed by Sean Price Williams. Runtime 144. No date yet release and then of course tv wise we we got the trailer for echo for marvel's next show echo which looks pretty good from what i've seen yeah it does i'm, I'm just hoping that it doesn't disappoint <laughs> you know yeah it's a good trailer but you can only get so much from that so exactly so have you seen the stories or news that Marvel may be looking to replace Kang with Doctor Doom. I've seen a lot of that. Ever since that case came about, I've heard different things about either it's, they're replacing him, having another actor playing Kang, or taking Kang I, out completely in Doctor Doom. But it's too soon for that, <laughs> I think. And I think, so hypothetically, if Johnson Majors gets cleared, you know, of wrongdoing. Yeah. I still think they probably replace him. It would just be easier to replace a character than it would to just get rid of a major villain that you've already kind of hyped up for what two movies and a show, essentially. And you basically got what yeah. introduced him in Loki season one, had another variant in Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumanium, yeah. and yeah. then season Loki two. two. You see like a variant, another variant, and then got a whole movie, Kane Dynasty. Yes. So, I mean, I think it would have been easy if, I guess, that post-credit scene of Ant-Man and Wasp didn't have all those different versions of Kang, and it was all, if they just had different type, you know, different people as, then it would have been an easier transition, but the fact that you've, that they've done all this, it's it's not going to be easy. Yeah. It'd just be easier just to have a different actor and then be able to explain it because 
temporal loom. Yeah, <laughs> there I mean, we go. Explain literal, literally the multiverse, and like they have yes. done very little with it until Loki season two. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they should stick with Jonathan Majors because I mean, but it depends really on how things turn out. If it's been a lot of smoke and yeah, <laughs> mirrors been, with this, yeah. don't know who's who's guilty of what. You know, her different sides and. I don't know. I mean, it does kind of distract from things because if you got a movie coming out, people to focus more on what's going on outside. Sure, but uh, either stick to your guns or make a decision. I guess is yeah. what they have to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Agreed. Yeah. I've been seeing some of that going around. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and then I've also heard that they might do end up doing like a soft reboot. Yeah. Bringing back original characters and actors to play their roles, which yeah, I, again, I saw like OG Avengers coming back for yeah, I'm, something. I'm like, I mean, again, multiverse. They can if they do it from that angle and not just like, yeah, this is what really. But it it might kind of depend on how Loki finishes this week. This is the finale this week. We can see what they yeah. It's so it's like, are they going to use that episode to set up something else? Will this be? basically finishing out this art right depends on how they stick the landing or not <laughs> yep exactly but it's been a good season it has it's i've been enjoying it for sure yes and there's a couple episodes i've watched twice because either i felt like i missed something <coughs> yeah i just felt like i missed something so i went back and watched it see if i'd catch it and sometimes i do yeah but yeah, it it's not bad. But as far as Marvel, we just want a good movie with good stories. Right. <laughs> and at this point, because it doesn't take much to... Oh, I mean, right, and I think what they really need to do is focus on just having good standalone movies to build that foundation for what they're doing. Yes. And then you can connect it later. But right now, just get a solid foundation. <laughs> right. Because... Four and phases four and five, you know, phase five are only like two minutes in. The Marvels is just the third movie of this phase, so isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's wild. But I mean, phase one was only six movies, so but still, to be only about to be three movies into this phase, it's I don't know. Yeah, they've got work to do because I mean, even though I've liked everything, I think this has been their experimental phase where they've just been trying different things and. Not everything has been has been literally hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. But I think that happens with the comics, too. You bring in different directors or artists, and people have different visions, and they kind of go off of what you're used to. So I think it's just that we're just in a certain phase of creation that not everybody's going to like, but some people will. Yeah. Hopefully they can get something figured out. Get yeah. their little, because I mean, and maybe there is a little bit of maybe the you know superhero fatigue isn't so much the viewers as much as it is the storytellers. That too might be the ones getting fatigued because they're like, well, I don't know what I don't know how to go. You know what we should do next. I'm like, my dude, you the, you literally have a giant catalog <laughs> to pull from. Right. Like everything. It doesn't even have to be the popular yeah. ones. You see, Avengers no. were like the most popular thing, and that's now. Yeah. At least 
X-Men in a way, and now they got a task of bringing in X-Men because that, that's going to be yeah. a challenge to them. Because if, yeah. if they don't land that, and then Fantastic Four, if they don't land those two, like... Dang. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that, I think yeah. them acquiring the rights of that Oh no! Was a, I mean, I think it was a blessing and a curse. You know, yeah. It's like one it's, of those, now, now it's in the right hands. The only problem is now there's so much expectations, pressure. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at the old movies, it's like you don't have much. Just look at the mistakes that they made, and don't just, do don't, that. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, you see, you've got the blueprint of what not to do. Just go the other way. <laughs> right. I mean, and then do like with Avengers. Start slow. Establish yeah. it. You know. I'm not saying everybody needs to have a solo movie, but maybe no. have one that kind of introduces, or maybe just do a series, do a lot yeah. of series so that we can introduce people. That way it's not so confusing when you do put the ensemble movies out. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm, we'll see. All right, man, let's get into it. You got first dibs on freelance. Righty. So, <clears throat> checked out freelance. It is... It released uh, October 27th, has a runtime of an hour and 49 minutes, directed by Pierre Morel, and it stars John Cena, Allison Brie, Juan Pablo Raba, <clears throat> Alice Eve, Morton Sokas, and Christian Slater. So, follows an ex-Special Forces operative who's stuck in a dead-end desk job and reluctantly takes on a gig to provide private security for a washed-up journalist. As she interviews a ruthless but impeccably dressed dictator. When a military coup breaks out, just as she's about to get the scoop of a lifetime, the unlikely trio must figure out how to survive the jungle, the assassins, and each other in order to make it out alive. So this is kind of, it almost felt like Lost City in a way. Yeah. But basically, John Cena plays Mason Pettits, and his whole life he's just wanted to help people, you know, in school. Somebody getting picked on, a bully, he tries to step in and help them out, but gets beat up in the process. And so this whole drive of trying to help people, he becomes a lawyer. Yeah. And But the life that that brings him, it's not really satisfying. He doesn't like that whole normal life. So he ends up joining the, the army and does well through training camp and ends up being part of special forces. So on the first mission that he's on, which is kind of an odd scene. He's like the first person they're out to take out <clears throat> pretty much the person that's going to be interviewed. That's the person they're here to take out. So he zip lines down from the helicopter. And as he's making his way down, the helicopter shot down. And so it pretty much kills everyone, but one person on board. And because okay. he's still attached to the helicopter, he gets drugged. So he gets injured to the point where he can't, you know, sidelines him. And yeah. So he falls back on his, his lawyer job and he has a desk job, has a family married. He's not doing so well with this, you know, this, this normal life. He misses yeah. being in combat. Him and his wife aren't actually meshing. Gotcha. But, um, you know, he tries to make the best of everything. So an old friend, okay. by Christian Slater, Sebastian Earl, comes in and offers him a job. And it's simple. All you got to do is protect this journalist, make sure she doesn't get kidnapped, killed. You know, simple. In and out. Easy money. Uh, $20,000, you know. Okay. So, and the journalist is Claire Wellington, played by Allison Bree. She had a situation where a story she put out, she had to retract because 
fashion and fact check. So yeah, so to kind of ruin her career. So she does a lot of fluff pieces and fallen artists in their man caves and whatnot. You know, just real small right. things. So she's trying to get herself back up to where she was. So she ends up getting this interview with President President Juan Venegas, who doesn't accept interviews from anyone, but for some reason he accepts her. And upon meeting, you see the president is very much enamored with Claire. He's really sweet to her, kissing her hand. And there's a scene where they're in the car and literally it's just John Cena in the back seat and you're just watching them interact. And he's just in the background doing nothing like a spectator, basically. Yeah. And which is kind of weird because he's just sitting back there observing and then you have this scene in front of him going on. But so... Then this rogue military group takes fires on them, killing Benegas's entourage, takes them out. But then Mason is able on his own to take everyone out. And his mission now is just to get out, to leave. It's like, we get this journalist out, we're going to leave. But as much as they try to stay away from the president, he always pops up. But again, he's real charming, kind of just, I don't want to say a bubbly personality, but he's real flamboyant in a way, just real energetic. And and so the history between Mason and the president is he blames the president for shooting the helicopter down. Like it's the, mm. he's the one that killed his friends. And so, but as you go through the movie, everything isn't exactly as it seems, you know, maybe from his perspective, it's, you know, it's one way, but he learns later on that it's not exactly as it is. And then Venegas kind of knows more about what's going on than he lets on. Like he knows that, there's people trying to kill him and, you know, take him out. And you learn out more about why he kind of takes his stance. Let's see. What else can I say that's not spoiling it? Basically, it's just them trying to survive this whole deal. And, again, peeling back the layers and finding out what's really going on. Because my question is, I don't know how Christian Slater's character survives because he was on the helicopter. <laughs> they, don't really, they don't really explain that. Because they show some flashbacks before it goes down. He's literally sitting by everyone. I don't, I don't know how he survived that. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a cool, quick and easy action comedy. It's entertaining. Probably more fit for streaming than movies yeah. so far. Yeah. It had a $40 million budget and it's only brought back about $5.5 million. So Well, and it's the marketing on it's not been great because you no. haven't seen anything on it. No, because I just saw, I think I mentioned it one time, I just saw one trailer for it, for a movie, yeah. and then posters popped up in the theater. But, I mean, I feel like it's, it's. I mean, it's good. It's fun. You know, it's just something like if you just want something you don't have to think about. And it's John Cena. <laughs> he's he's pretty so, good. He's pretty funny. That's 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 why we didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's what made it funny about some of the scenes, because there's just a lot of things going on, and yeah. he's just there. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you kind of forget about him sometimes Dang. but but it's it's overall entertaining the action's good and john cena's character seems to have like the just bullseye cheat because he just doesn't miss <laughs> it's everything it's a hawkeye cheat code yeah <laughs> but but overall i liked it if you want to check it out or wait for streaming it's still i think it's worth either way okay. and i enjoyed it so surprise enjoyment. There you go. All right. Well, I watched Pain Hustlers on Netflix. The runtime 
two hours, two minutes, dropped October 27th on the Netflix. Starring Emily Blunt as Liza Drake, Chris Evans as Pete Brenner, Catherine O'Hara as Jackie, Chloe Coleman as Phoebe, and Andy Garcia as Dr. Neil, Brian Darcy James as Dr. Lydell, and Jay Duplass as Larkin, brother of Mark Duplass. This is written by Wells Tower and directed by David Yates. This is his third movie outside of the Harry Potter franchise that he has directed. It's his first straight-to-streaming movie. Liza dreams of a better life for herself and her daughter, hired to work for a bankrupt pharmaceutical company. Liza skyrockets with sales and into the high life, putting her in the middle of a federal criminal conspiracy. So <clears throat> it's a fictional story? Mm-hmm. Question mark. It, it is, but basically the, I believe it's also based on a book, which is loosely based on a real company. They obviously, you know, change the names and the company to protect the innocent. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, more or less. But yeah, so Emily Blunt's character, that this takes place in Florida. They She's not been able to keep a job. Her teenage daughter's a mess. She got expelled from school when really she just, actually she got, she was going to get expelled, but because her mom's good at talking, talking to people and kind of negotiating and, you know, knowing the rules also of the like student handbook. She's like, well, what she did didn't even occur on school property, but she wasn't in class. Okay which at most is a warning if you so choose. So she goes three days suspension. She goes one day, you know, or five days suspension. She goes one day and that's kind of still too much. She goes three days. She goes fine. So her daughter's suspended for a few days. And they, she's supposed to, why is supposed to be working at a strip club, which is where she meets Pete Brenner, who is this, pharmaceutical salesperson i guess like some weird east coast accent going on that chris evans is trying out (laughs) i'm like no that's not good not working yeah it's he's definitely trying he's he's doing as much as he can with it and i'm like okay it's different but I, i don't know if that's for you my dude yeah anyways he he basically says, if you want to, you know, after talking with her for a while and everything, because really Liza doesn't want to even get up and, you know, dance on the pole. She just wants to go and chat it up with the with the gentlemen that are there. That way she doesn't actually have to dance or do any of the other stuff, but can still get money from them. Bare minimum. Yep. Literally. The bear. Never mind. Bear the minimum. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, so she's talking over with Pete, and Pete says, you know, if you ever want to get out of this, you know, you can make and come work for me and make make 100K in your first year. So, of course, after everything, she's basically, she was living with her sister. Her sister kind of kicks her, ends up kicking her out. And so they have to go to, like, one of those week pay-by-the-week, like, motels. And 
stay there, and it's just like the worst. Yeah. So she ends up taking him up on his offer. She kind of fudges her resume. After talking with Pete and everything, he's like, this is still isn't going to work. So he then falsifies a better resume. <laughs> I guess this is a better way to put it. Yeah. And his his analogy is, you know, those people that always get pulled over for going 67 and then 65. Meanwhile, people are going 80 miles an hour or flying right by and not getting stopped. Yeah. It's like, well, we're going to go 60, 67 and 65. We're just going to kind of bend the, you know, bend the rules a little bit without, you know, breaking it a lot. It's kind of the, kind of their thing. So she gets hired on by Dr. Neil, who's this pharmaceutical person that came up with this drug to help relieve pain from, for cancer patients. It's a drug that has fentanyl in it without any, with a quicker activation, I guess, better, you know, you basically, you, it works quicker than this other drug that also has fentanyl in it, but it's like a spray or something like that, that you do underneath the tongue to get to the certain gland, which then absorbs it within like five minutes. You're feeling better mm-hmm. as opposed to like 45 minutes from this other drug. So she gets hired on, but she has one week to get a doctor to essentially write a script for their drug. Okay. So after four days of going around to different doctors, she goes back to this other doctor to basically just get her Tupperware back after some food that she had made. And in doing so, he was there with a patient and the sucker, whatever thing, for him to have to help slowly reduce his mouth, reduce the pain in his mouth. She's like, why don't you try this? It's not blah, 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 blah. It's like, you're depriving this person of this drug and making them feel better. And then all of a sudden his wife here overhears it and wanted to hear the different options and everything. And then finally the husband agrees to try it. And then boom, gets the one script. So that's not the bad part. That's actually good for her. She got her first, I guess you could say sale or her first doc, you know, her doctor to write a first script for it. Yeah. And mind you, again, this is a failing drug company. She's essentially being got hired onto a sinking ship. And, you know, as the ship is sinking, she's getting on board to start trying to rescue the ship. Okay. <laughs> and in doing so, she ends up, in doing so, she ends up doing these speaking engagements in which the doctor, you know, could come to like talk to other doctors and patients about or people about this drug and about how it's helped her, you know, his his patients. The only problem is it has to be, I guess, like sanctioned. It has to be vetted and all of that before the doctor can go and speak. And they kind of cut the corners on that. And, you know, they get a couple more doctors in there and they sign on. So, of course, the doctor for doing the speaking engagement gets a cut of the check or gets a cut for coming to do the speaking engagement, which, of course, will give him more money, which, of course, will then get more get him to want to write the script to more patients, you know, and then the company blows up. And that's basically, you know, profit wise. And so. 
yeah, things really start taking off. They start, but meanwhile, they're during this whole time, not everything is kind of on the up and up. Again, sixty-seven and the sixty-five. It's yeah, we're bending the rules. You know, we're 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 you know we're bending it just a little bit, just you know, get a little bit ahead, and then you just follow Pete and Liza on their rise as they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Just like most stories to have like this, just to have it come crashing down. Yeah. And Liza tries to get in front of it because Liza's daughter has epilepsy and there's some pocket or something like that in her brain that to do it's there's only two options. Either they can basically do a craniotomy and scoop it out or they can go through the nose and do it. But the the method through going through the nose to basically zap it or get rid of it is not covered by insurance, so it's all out of pocket. Okay. So there's that whole dilemma, which was brought up and then not brought up again till towards kind of the end. And Liza can see that the ship's starting to sink again, but this time the feds are involved, so she's trying to more or less cut a deal and then be the whistleblower and then also try and get the extra money from the from dr neil who you know could help but then he's like well no just make more sales use this as inspiration to do to do better in your sales and bring in more money it's a real dick thing but yeah yeah so she's like not a guilty conscience about turning everything over so it's it's an interesting movie i mean it's a good watch Emily Blunt's good. Chris Evans playing a different character, so you know, it's kind of good to see. I'm just not 100% about the accent. Kind of felt like Andy Garcia was kind of underused. Catherine O'Hara was good. Again, even though they're supported characters, I think they could have still added a little bit more to what they had going on. But overall, wasn't bad. It was okay. You know, basically, drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> Pharmaceutical <laughs> drugs, bad. Okay. Fentanyl's bad. And it tried to show like a, towards the end, like a almost like a documentary style. Again, it's a narrative, not a documentary, but it's shot kind of like a documentary where it's getting we call them not confessionals, but loved ones of patients that ended up dying due to the addictiveness they OD'd on the drug. Yeah. So, but you you would get those kind of confessionals from those loved ones talking about it. So it did some of that. So it made you kind of like, well, did this really happen? Did it not? But the only thing I could find trivia-wise based that it was basically based on a book, which was based on, I guess, true events that happened. But the company's done, you know, it was renamed. So was renamed, and the characters are renamed. But yeah, but it's an interesting look, though. Pharmaceutical sales. Yeah, I forgot. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> like I've I mean, seen a tra- it, it wouldn't be bad to watch. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. I've seen a trailer for it this week, and then the weekend came, and I just, yeah. just slipped. Yeah. But um, I do plan on watching it, though. <clears throat> All right. Next movie I'm going to talk about, I, I watched Butcher's Crossing, which I guess I had a two-week run, but you can rent it on iTunes and Prime Video, I saw. <clears throat> so runtime of an hour and 45 minutes directed by Gabe Polsky. This is a 
Western drama. I don't really do a lot of westerns. <laughs> so, but same, same. Cage, you know, like Nicholas yeah. Cage. So, decided to check this out. It's about an Ivy League dropout who travels to the Colorado wilderness, where he joins a team of buffalo hunters on a journey that puts his life and sanity at risk. And this is based on the highly acclaimed novel by John Williams. So, it follows stars Nicholas Cage as Miller. Fred Hessinger as Will Andrews, Xander Berkeley as Charlie Hodge, Rachel Keller as Francine, Jeremy Bob as Fritz Schneider, and Paul Racy as J.D. McDonald. So Will Andrews has basically got bored with the Harvard life and wants to see the world. He decides to drop out of school. So he leaves his home in Boston and wants to spend it in the wilderness to hopefully find himself and his purpose in life. So he makes his way to Butcher's Crossing, which is a small town in the Kansas Plains. And the person he's seeking out is J.D. McDonald, who is an old acquaintance of his father. So basically his dad let him stay, let McDonald stay with them for a while when he was younger. And he remembers how his dad spoke highly of him because he moved out to Kansas and made a life for himself. So he figured that's the best person to talk to. <laughs> so he's hoping to join a group while they go on a buffalo hunt. But McDonald is you know, rejecting the idea and doesn't allow him to do so because he warns of how the experience can have negative effects on both him mentally and just yeah. just him overall. So he's like, no, I'm not doing it. But this decision leads him to Miller, played by Nicolas Cage, who's an experienced hunter and who just happens to have the perfect spot for buffalo hunting. But, uh, you know, he's all about hunting, skinning, and selling buffalo hide. So, but Miller wants to put a crew together and head to a place in Colorado that has the largest herd he's ever seen. Only thing he's missing is he needs a couple of extra people and he needs the money, you know, to pay the people yeah. and then for supplies. So we'll put pretty much every bit of money he has into it to make it happen. And so the Chris, the crew consists of Miller, Andrews, uh, Hodge or Hogue, one armed bubble thumping drunk, as the wagon driver and cook and Schneider, who's a sketchy, but skilled skinner who also doesn't believe Miller's stories and insists on being paid a salary for his troubles. So he's like, regardless of what happens, I'm getting paid because <laughs> you're wasting yep. my time. So, yep. But the journey is difficult and will is especially tested since this is his first time ever experiencing this. They at one point run out of water. Then they run across a woman driving a wagon with her two kids but, you know, she's kind of sketchy. So Miller, even though they're, they're one water, but Miller's like, no, don't trust anybody out here because they might try to kill you and take our stuff. So that's just kind of the things they meet along, kind of the obstacles they face along the way. But they do reach their destination. And uh, Miller's proven right in his claims. There's just plenty of buffalo, like so many buffalo. And uh, so they make camp. But the next morning, the hunt begins. Many buffalo are struck down, starting with the leader. And for several days, Miller just goes on this, I guess, tirade of just gunning down every buffalo he sees while Snyder and Andrew skins and gather the hide. But it's getting kind of past the time that they set to be out there. So they're suggesting that they leave. But Miller is just very much obsessed with killing every buffalo he sees. <laughs> like just he's very determined to come back with the, the largest haul ever. Yeah. But they end up getting stuck in the snow. Having to find a way out of that. They get snowed in. The roads are covered. And during this time is when things kind of come to a head where 
tension grows and start learning more about Miller, Snyder, and everyone, and kind of becomes more like, a, I guess, kind of Lord of the Flies situation where they're stuck, oh, wow. you know, stuck yeah. in the weirdness, and they just start kind of going at each other. They're tired of eating buffalo. That's all they have. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it's interesting. I kind of, I kind of want to read the book now from watching this. Nicholas Cage seems pretty contained. He doesn't have to me. Doesn't really have a. He has one moment where he just he tells him like, "Look, I'm gonna skin these buffalo, kill them, skin them, and sell them. That's that's my thing." And he has a weird way, which you see in the trailer, how he eats the meat, just kind of looking crazy. And but it was good. Like I didn't I didn't know what to expect from it. I don't even think I watched the trailer before watching it. I just saw it listed on Regal and said, "You know, yeah. Nicholas Cage. I'm gonna check it out." This seems to be the year of the Cage. He's kind of like yep. a. The second movie so far, and he's got another one coming out. Yep. But uh, for this movie, Nicolas Cage actually shaved his head for the film, which is the first time he caged for Cage to be bald in a movie. So I was wondering, I thought maybe it was just you know, a cat, but he actually shaved his head. And uh, <laughs> I was reading a comment from one of the from the trailer when I watched it later. It said he's, he's getting ready to gear up to play Kratos in God of War. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, overall, Rolex Luthor. <laughs> But, um, oh my god! Yes, let's see. I think this is his first western since the old way. Or yeah, let's see. Yeah, but I mean it was good. Like yeah. I like when I watch something I don't normally watch, and I'm surprised yeah. and like it. Same. So, so it's it's one to check out. There you go. Okay, I on Netflix watched the Sylvester Stallone documentary called Sly. Dropped literally this Friday, November 3rd, on Netflix, one hour, 35 minutes, rated R, mainly just for language, who drops a few F-bombs. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess from archival footage from Rambo and Rocky and stuff like that. Yeah. So the documentary is based on the nearly 50-year prolific career of Sylvester Stallone, who has entertained millions, is seen in retrospective in an intimate look at of the actor, writer, director, producer, paralleling with his inspirational life story. I loved this documentary. Like, I've always enjoyed Stallone's movies growing up as a kid. You know, just yeah. all the Rockies. Yeah. Even, even Rocky V, which is whew, still, to me, the hard, one of the hardest ones to watch. And... He talks about that because it's for him, Rocky Five was a little too personal mm-hmm. of a movie to him, as far as the character marrying his life and what was really going on, trying to bring out things that were going on in his life at the time with the fame and success of being a celebrity and everything, and that always making these movies and just the fact that that takes time away that he's spending so much time on that and he's not spending a whole lot of time on his family and that he basically put his real life son sage uh, stallone in the film to give him the basically to go ahead and give him the opportunity that he was not given yeah so but a lot of the lines in there were you know hit you know we're hitting really close to home because you know, he's just talking about how, you know, you're putting this guy, you know, Tommy's career in front of 
before your family and that we never, you know, that's more your, you know, this is more important than your, your family. Yeah. So it's, it, it was, you know, he, it was pretty interesting to, you know, to watch that and learn about his childhood growing up and that, you know, he had a very physically abusive father. Like they, he was born in Hill's kitchen with him and his brother, Frank jr. And they were raised. And then like his dad was like a barber and then ended up doing cosmetology because he can make more money doing women's hair. And his mom was a cigarette salesman at a club. Like just went around selling cigarettes and stuff. And this is, you know, Stallone was born in July 6th, 1940. Yeah. July 6th, 1946 in Hell's Kitchen. You know, they could, it, it's filled. The documentary is filled with interviews from Stallone, his brother, Frank, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Quentin Tarantino, Talia Shire, uh, Henry Winkler, because they starred in the movie The Words of Flatbush together. Okay. Which, right after that movie, is when Henry Winkler went on to Happy Days. And, you know, so when Stallone decided to move out to Los Angeles, he his car broke down on Sunset and Vine, and so he called the only person he knew, Henry Winkler, to come get him. And he had that the the dog you see in the Rocky movies, the big dog, big slobbery dog. That's Stallone's actual dog. And so he had that dog moving to L.A. So it's so you hear Henry Winkler talking about about he's like it's just him on the side of the road with his big giant dog and somehow was able to fit all of his clothes and in these suitcases and everything (laughs) into his car and then, you know, got him situated until he could find his own place. It was interesting story. And that they could have been two polar opposite, you know, culturally opposite people, but they got along really well and, you know, were good friends. It was just an interesting story. But when Stallone was younger, his parents divorced. He moved to Maryland with his dad and his and Frank moved to Philadelphia with his mom. He said there was nothing out. There's just farmland and horses. There's really nothing much to do except his dad got into polo, like got into polo. So then as you get these just real cheap horses that weren't really made for that and then would play and he said just went great. But then I got into playing polo and got really good at it. And when I was 13, I was like ranked, nationally ranked and everything. And that, you know, I had a promising career or I, you know, it was real promising for me. And my dad just all of a sudden would just start yelling from the stands, telling me to stop doing something, even though I knew what I was doing. And at some point, at one point, you know, I fell off the horse and then he just took the horse and walked away with it. He says, I never want to see another horse again. He's like, my dad was just jealous. And that's like a lot of that. Like his dad was a physically abusive person. His dad was all the way through up into his life's adult years was jealous of him as well, was jealous of his success that he built himself without anybody's help. And so, yeah, it's like, wow, what a dick. But 
Stallone used that kind of relationship in writing his scripts. He wrote, he said before he, that before he, he wrote like 15 or 16 scripts. He just spent all his free time when he wasn't working, just locked up him and his friend, John Herzfeld, who's a director, just spent their time making movies, you know, trying to write scripts to to make movies. And then he finally, he had auditioned for, he kept getting these like, typecasted you know to play a thug or something like that and those type of roles and then he auditioned for something he says by the way i also write and i like had him come back in and then that's when he wrote rocky he basically took he actually had rocky as a thug and this one person was reading and says i don't like rocky i hate him like he's yeah. not a likable character and that was before rocky was a fighter and then he turned rocky into a fighter and kind of softened it a little bit and then, well, what if he had a girlfriend? And what about, you know, what if they were in love and all this stuff? And then it just kind of came to fruition. But no studio wanted to buy it. And so he finally got it. And then they wanted to cast Ryan O'Neill as Rocky because he kind of knew how to box. And he says, no, I, or Burt Reynolds. And none of those, he says, no. Basically, they're trying to offer him more money to not be in it. Wow. <laughs> Which is crazy, you know, to think that, but it was like, it's like they kept, they offered me like 25,000. Then they kept going up and it was like $250,000 for me not to be in this movie. And he's like, I, they could have offered me $500,000 and I probably still wouldn't have said no, or still wouldn't have said yes. Just showing his passion. Like, yeah, this is, this is, this is he's this like, is I know this character. Yeah. yeah, this is me. Yeah, you yeah. can't buy me off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and apparently Stallone was very intuitive, I guess, when it came to acting. Mm. Like he would he would see problems in the script. that would be like this character wouldn't say it like this. They would or do it like this. And he would improvise. Yeah. And so he was notorious for doing that. I mean, throughout his career, just like, I don't think this character would do this it wouldn't make much sense for them to do this and then later do that that's not who this character is that just would be out of character for this character so he would rewrite lines and a lot of times those lines would stay in the film so he rewrote rock he wrote rocky in three days wow which is insane and then he rewrote it several times and then finally got it made he says i thought and then goes into them it goes into like the premiere of Rocky and what that, you know, the, the, was it going to be a bomb? Was it going to be a success? They couldn't tell like the critics, a lot of the critics, you know, thought it was, wasn't going to be good. And there's just so much nervousness going into it that they, it turned out to be a huge hit. And then his life, he said, from that moment, my life changed forever. Like it, it, it never it never, you know, it, it was never anything different than what it is. And yeah, it's very interesting just watching, just seeing an actor that's, you know, been doing this for as long as he has. And then looking back and then having a retrospective kind of look at it and just a, a different view of, you know, of things that went right, things that could have gone better, things he wish he would have done better. He says, you know, my a lot, a lot of my career, especially in these Rocky movies, you know, mirror parts of my life, and certain characters mirror 
parts of like my dad. Yeah. And such. And Rambo is just completely something different. And then he goes into the making of Rambo and the, some of the decisions there. And very interesting. And they, they talk about some of his other movies, but not not much. Like, they talk about Dolph Lundgren putting him in the hospital for nine days. He's like, Dolph Lundgren beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, to the part, like, I was in the ICU for nine days. Yeah. I was like, dang, that's the yeah, okay. method. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> I must break you. He success. He just got into character. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Mm-hmm. Not literally. No, no, no. <laughs> just a movie. Not really, man. Yeah. Please bring me back in thirty years for this movie franchise. <laughs> for this other movie franchise. And this other movie franchise. And yes. this other at least two these two other franchises. Yeah, it even goes into talking about the expendables and how he got the idea for the expendables. Watching this great, he said, yeah, they had these great rock, like a reunion thing for like rock and roll and uh, you know, these greats. You're going to love it. And he was talking about it with his wife. He's like, these are some of the greats. They're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And then he says, and then they come out and one of them's wearing like dockers that he's been sitting down for a while. Cause in the back, it's like all, it looks like an accordion. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, he's like. I wonder if I could do something with this. And that's where we got the idea for the expendables about getting all these great eighties, nineties and two thousands actors to come make this movie. And, and then he's, he said, cause he seriously, he says, I've, I got, he got seriously injured on the set of expendables and like neck fracture or something like that. He, he's apparently he's broken his back five times or he's had back surgery five times in his career. He says after the first one, you're like, well, I'm never going to do that again. Until it happens again. Yeah. Like it is a fascinating documentary that I would, I would be happy to watch again. It was just, it was brilliantly done. Wonderfully shot, edited, just listening to him tell stories was just wild and very educational. And if you're like me and you're, you grew grew up watching his movies, you'll love listening to him talk about stories about it. And especially if you're like a Rocky fan or even Rambo, uh, he didn't talk as much about Rambo as Rocky, but it's still fascinating. Just hearing him talking about his family, his career. He's, he likes to paint like he, I would have never pegged that for him, but apparently he's a big painter as well. And he still writes. Yeah. So I, I definitely recommend it. I would have watched another 30 minutes of it, to be honest. But. Yeah. Hour 35 is pretty good. Yeah, if it's for a documentary on an actor, you'd think it'd be at least two hours. Right? Yeah. So, But no, it's good. It's good stuff. Highly recommend. Let's see here. This week we have The Marvels, which I think will be entertaining. And I'll be curious to find out how this feeds into Loki into the timeline and where it fits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what they do. <clears throat> it's one of the, I guess it's one of the few movies they have that ties to the ser- to a series and yeah. which, you know, one visitor went to Dr. Strange in the right. Marvel, and then this from Miss Marvel. Yep. So some connections, just at least with the yep. characters. And I don't know, you know, that's interesting that they didn't go with 
Captain Marvel 2 and just called it the Marvels and you know we'll see how uh, it all Cap- Captain Marvel 2 electric blue goo come on <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I think it'll be at least entertaining on certain yeah. levels but we'll use your word cautiously optimistic <laughs> always always yeah. Yeah. then a movie you've already seen I think it's getting a wider release the holdovers mm-hmm coming out this week and the movie I, the aforementioned movie that I talked about earlier in the episode it's a wonderful knife so it's a wonderful knife yep stab so. stab stab, stab. <laughs> yeah. we'll see maybe it's like a happy death day but Christmas that'd be interesting yeah it would be that's what I was going to have York watch that's what it was okay I need to recommend that one later York's buddy Cole that he carpools with him and his family have been watching some of the some you know kind of scary movies and stuff. They apparently watched the original Halloween movie, nice. and then which is great. And I got to talk about that with him. And then I forgot what else they were going to watch. He got in this morning when I went to go take the two of them to school, and he was talking about how they watched Get Out. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, sweet! What have you seen? This? He's like, Oh yeah, we already watched that one. That one's my favorite. Did you watch Nope? He was like, yeah, yeah, that's good, too. Because I think Us is my favorite. I think so, too. It has a little bit of a M. Night feel to it at the end. But it's really cool how they did that. And I just, yeah, it's, I think that's probably still my favorite. Although the other two are equally as good, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I'll have to try and recommend Happy Death Day to the two of them. So. Yeah, so. Oh, as far as series go. Season oh, yeah, Bodies. Of, bodies. Definitely yeah. watch Bodies on Netflix. Um, season three of Upload. I watched the first episode. Right now, I'm not sure if it's going to be as good as the first two seasons. It seemed like they yeah. kind of lost a little, a little magic. Something. Yeah. I did watch Wolf Like Me, which is on Peacock. Two seasons, 30 minutes each, about six episodes. Well, Six episodes, first season, seven, seven episodes, second season, but it's a quick watch. And then Everything Now on Netflix, I watched that as well, which stars, uh, what's her name? Sophie, Sophie Wilde from Talk to Me. Mm. She's playing, so this follows Mia Polanco, who was released from hospital after a lengthy battle with anorexia. And she is thrust back into the world of sixth form. Don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. But it's a good series. It's kind of tough to watch, but it's an interesting ride. I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm finishing up third season of The Morning Show on Apple TV Plus. And not bad. Not a bad season. It's interesting. With John Hamm on it this season. As a Elon Musk type person that is buying the TV, basically buying like a an NBC or a CBS type thing. It's about that deal going through, but he's also like got spaceships, like he's a tech bro, you know, spaceships and stuff. Okay. So, but he's a billionaire, so he's thinking about acquiring that as just a business venture. So, it's interesting. But as always, I love Jennifer Aniston and... Reese Witherspoon's awesome, and Mark Duplass is always amazing, and whatever he does. 
So I'm enjoying that season. Plus, again, like I said, Bodies on Netflix. I watched all eight episodes. It's very fascinating for different timelines of a murder that occurs in similar ways in each timeline. And it all comes back to this one family that is involved in somehow. So it's pretty dope. Check it out. And I think that's all I got. Going to roll through this week. See what happens. And then we'll be back next week with the Marbles. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.